Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, where we are teaching and equipping women who have a burning desire for significance to create an exceptionally successful and fulfilling life without burnout or stress. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ so they can build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. This is Allow Me and welcome to episode 105 of the Super Abundant Life podcast. We took a few weeks off to revitalize, re-energize, rethink <laughs> the podcast. But seriously, we took a few weeks off to see how we can actually make the podcast better for you, the listener. And I'm really grateful for the feedback that we received. Most people just said, don't change anything. I love it the way it is. But we also received some valuable feedback from some of our listeners out there, for which I'm very grateful. So we have incorporated some of the feedback that we've received as well as our own creative search to improve the podcast and hopefully you will like the new direction that we're taking. We're not really changing a lot. One of the things that we're going to try and do is to reduce the size of the podcast and by size I mean the length. Having said that, the podcast is meant to be something that you're listening to maybe while you're walking, while you're doing chores, while you're, you know, sitting down in the garden, somewhere's here after all, etc., etc. It's never going to be like the five minutes, like 10 minutes. Okay, here we've come. I'm going to give you one, two, three, go and do this and that's it. There are podcasts like that that I listen to and we will release more episodes like things like Wisdom Compass that will give you very short snippets. But the body, the main body of the Super Abundant Life podcast is about teaching. So if you want to teach and communicate an idea, you need to have enough room and time to build a context, to create a picture in the mind of your listener before you then now teach whatever it is you want to teach. So my podcasts are more of storytelling and bringing spiritual principles alive in everyday life. So that would take a little bit of time. So we're going to try and aim for the 45 minute mark. There will be a few episodes that will go outside of that range, especially when I have a lot to say. (laughs) But yeah, 
I'm excited about it and I cannot wait to get into today's episode where I'm going to be talking about how to stay centered, peaceful and focused in a distracted, hyperactive and chaotic world. What I'm going to be sharing with you today is something that I've practiced for many, many years. As in, I've trained myself to the point that it is very rare. It is very difficult for me to receive any kind of news or anything happens in my environment that shakes me to the roots and basically knocks me off my feet if you understand what i mean i could be in a situation where a few of us might be in a room and we all hear uh, some kind of news or whatever it is something happens that has serious repercussions and is basically very very serious news and it is very unlikely that i will fall apart it is very unlikely that i'll panic And this is not something that I was born with. (laughs) Trust me, there were points in my life where I could have been very dramatic, where we one little thing, it is responding with high energy, high emotion, and not really sitting down to think something through. But I think part of the challenges and the really deep trials that I've experienced in my life has taught me to not be so quick to jump in with the emotional side of response and to be more reflective in the way that I approach things. And so what I'm hoping to teach you today is how to, as I said, stay centered. To be centered means to be grounded, to be anchored, to be peaceful and focused. Why? Because we live in a world that is full of distractions, that is overloaded with information and activities, and that can be quite chaotic. Chaotic in the sense that challenges left, right, and center. Even when you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing, the Bible teaches us that storms will still come. It does not discriminate, right? So that means we as Christians need to know how to anchor ourselves in God because God is constant. He will never change. He's a rock, all right? So I hope that's gotten you excited. And for me to introduce this concept and to show you graphically what I really mean about being centered and grounded in God, I'm going to walk you through the stories of two extremely different people. They occupy the same position at different points, but they were, in fact, as different as night and day. And those two people are Saul and David. Right. So I'm going to start off with David. I'm going to show you how when the pressure of life came upon David, when things got chaotic, when he became you know, overloaded with activities and decisions to be made, etc. There was a certain way that he responded. And on the other hand, when David experienced exactly the same thing, there was a certain way that he responded. And it is not coincidence. It was not because, oh, Saul was a certain kind of person and David was a certain kind of person. No, it was as a result of what they had trained themselves to become over time. So by laying out these two case studies and walking through, I'm going to ask actually show you certain things about how you cannot play with knowing how to center yourself in God. It is not an option because this world is crazy. (laughs) I'm telling you, we live in a crazy world, right? Things are happening left, right, and center. Rumors of wealth, all sorts of things are happening. So you need to know how to maintain your peace and keep yourself rooted in God. Okay. 
So let's go into the story of Saul, and I'm getting this from 1 Samuel 28. I'm going to be reading quite a lot of text from the Bible, which I don't usually do, but I want to actually read it so you can see this thing for yourself, what I'm saying. And actually gives me a bit of joy to be able to read quite a bit of the Bible on the podcast because I love getting into the Bible. And one of the reasons why I do this podcast is to actually stir people off to have a love for the word of God. All right. So it says that the Philistines were lifelong enemies of Saul. Those who showed him Pepe, as in Shege, as we'll say in Nigeria. All right. From the moment when he became king to the moment that he died, they were a constant force of opposition in his life. So it says that the Philistines set up their camp at Shunem, and Saul gathered all the army of Israel and camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the vast Philistine army, he became frantic with fear. So he saw the pressure. The pressure came upon him and naturally was, oh my goodness, this is the end, right? So what does he do next? The Bible says that he asked the Lord what he should do, but the Lord refused to answer him either by dreams or by sacred lots or by the prophets. So he heard nothing. He at least attempted to go and speak to God and say, hey, see this crisis that has happened. Come and see what they've said. They said everybody is going to be sacked or 50% of the company is going to be made redundant. When we hear news like that, my question to you, and I'm going to be asking these kind of questions throughout this podcast, right? My question to you that I want you to reflect on is, do you know how to respond when news such as this come into your space? Do you have a strategy Or do you just walk through life and whenever pressure comes, you do whatever comes into your head first? That's a very dangerous way to live. So Saul hears about this terrible news that the Philistines have basically come to destroy him and the entire Israelite army. And he decided to go and ask God. But imagine he went to ask God and there was silence, absolute silence. Now you wonder that. uh, Why will God not talk to Saul now? What is going on? Now, the the thing about it is for us, this is the old covenant that was based on rules on laws. In the new covenant, you don't ever have to worry about God never speaking to you. There's nothing you can ever do that will bring you to the point where God will be like, oh, I am done with you. This is your wahala. Even Jesus cannot solve it. (laughs) Carry your wahala and go. I mean, you can never get to that point. Because all the sin of the world, singular, was judged in the body of Christ when he was killed. So we are always accepted and welcome in his presence. The Bible says in Hebrews, come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy, to find help in the time of need. Now, if we're looking at it from the point of view of our own new covenant, which is that God will never stop talking to you or be silent when you need his help, it will never happen right? What does that mean for us personally? It's simply this. Now, the thing about Saul is to give you a bit of context about his life and his background. Saul had basically spent his entire time as king consistently ignoring God, his word, his instructions. He had zero fellowship with God, zero fellowship. So when at the time of crisis, he wanted to leverage on a bridge that he had never built, guess what happened? He fell into the water. 
that's how we can actually bring the interpretation of that into our own lives. Even though God is always present, the Holy Spirit is always present with you. The word of God is always available to you 24-7. However, if you have over time not cultivated or maintained that connection, that bridge between you and the Holy Spirit in form of an active relationship, two-way communication with him, do you know what will happen in the time of crisis? And I'm telling you that this is how 90% of Christians live. They only go to God in the time of crisis. They only remember to pray when they hear news from the school that the child is being disobedient and the child is close to being expelled from the school. That is the only time they would then go and find the Bible and say, hey, where is that Bible? Again? Hey, where is that? That was that scripture that God showed me. Oh, hey, that's when they now start digging. That's when they now start calling everybody up, trying to leverage on a bridge that does not exist. I mean, you are on one side of the river, you want to cross over to the other side and you're like, ah, yes, yes, there's a bridge. It's an invisible bridge. (laughs) It's not there. It doesn't exist. Okay. If you try and jump on that bridge, you will land in the water. It's as simple as that. And that's what Saul tried to do. He tried to leverage on something that did not exist. His relationship with God had been completely broken by that point due to all sorts of things, disobedient, not cultivating the presence of God, not honoring God in any way. He was basically just doing his own thing, right? Just that what I'm saying. So Christians actually live like this. That is when they will now start asking you, oh, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Meanwhile, for the past how many months, for some even years, no relationship with God. Now, the problem is God is still there, which is what I'm saying. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's still there. His presence is still there. He's still speaking to you. But the frequency, if I use radio as an example or any kind of frequency being transmitted, God only speaks at a certain frequency. And if your ears are not attuned to that frequency, he is actually sending you instructions on how to get you out of that situation. But because you have not actually cultivated that habit, what happens is you cannot hear. Your mind is so bombarded with all sorts of thoughts of fear and distrust and doubt and panic and anxiety that it becomes extremely difficult to hear what God is saying. It's like trying to build a house in the middle of a storm. That can never happen because the wind will come, psh, blow you this way. And they say, hey, I'm going to get up, psh, blow you the other way. So that was what happened. Now, when that happened to Saul, naturally, what did he do next? Oh, I'm telling you, the Bible is a complete book because this story about Saul could have been written yesterday because it completely describes the way we as Christians live in this age. So when you're like, oh, but I tried God's way. It didn't work. What, what does that even mean? It didn't work. It didn't work. Can God ever fail? Oh, I tried the prayer thing. I tried to obey God. It didn't work. So what do we do? We turn to alternative means, which is exactly what Saul did. So the Bible says that Saul then said to his advisors, find a woman who is a medium. A medium. So like, what's another word for medium? That we is medium, no, there's you know, they say that's it. <laughs> so, find me a medium. So, people that basically contact the dead, they're in cahoot with evil spirits. Satan speaks through them. That's who a medium is. 
Imagine who? The king of Israel. Israel was the special inheritance of God. And the king of the special inheritance of God was the one that was now turning to a medium. Why? It was desperation. It felt like he had no way out. And this is what happens. I'm telling you that if you do not cultivate that active relationship with God, when pressure hits, when storms hit, you will compromise because literally it will feel like you are boxed in and you have no choice. And that is really what causes people to compromise. And so compromised. To even give you further context, prior to that, he had, because he knew that it was wrong, as king, he has legislated and basically said, if I ever see anybody going to a medium or trying to contact dead spirits or evil spirits, I'm going to do this. And he threatened and he gave all sorts of laws to prevent people from doing that. But he himself, when he faced pressure and he was full of fear and he did not know how to actually encourage himself in the Lord. And because he had not cultivated that presence with God, what did he do? Of course he compromised. He broke his own law. So he went and found this medium. And the medium, of course, was like, ah, no, I'm not supposed to be doing this old King Saul. No, no, no. But he basically saw. He saw an oath say, I, I swear by God or whatever it is that I will not harm you. Can you see how desperate he got? To even get the medium to do what he was asking her to do. Eventually, this medium conjures up a quote and unquote spirit, which was supposed to be Samuel. Now, this was not Samuel. And I'll tell you why it was not Samuel. And I'll also show you how, when you don't turn to God, when you don't know how to generate that audience with God when you are in crisis or when you feel overwhelmed or any of those things, what will happen is you will have no choice but to turn to the world who are doing things and the world, I'm telling you, will give you some solutions. Okay? Right. So she brings up this quote-unquote spirit that's supposed to be Samuel and the spirit replies and says, Why have you disturbed me by calling me back? Samuel asked Saul. Because I am in deep trouble, Saul replied. The Philistines are at war with me and God has left me and won't reply by prophets or dreams. So I have called you to tell me what to do. Now I want you to listen carefully to this. Listen carefully to what this quote-unquote spirit that's supposed to be Samuel says. He says, but Samuel replied, why ask me? Since the Lord has left you and has become your enemy, the Lord has done just as he said he would. He has turned the kingdom from you, given it to your rival, David. The Lord has done this today because you refuse to carry out his fierce hunger against the Amalekites. What's more, the Lord will hand you and the army of Israel over to the Philistines tomorrow. You and your sons will be here with me. The Lord will bring out the entire army of Israel in defeat. Now, this is what I want you to notice. Notice that the spirit, number one, was only repeating everything that Saul himself had said. So Saul gave that spirit information and said, Oh, the Philistines have come against me and they're here to kill, etc., etc. See what is happening. That spirit did not say anything that was not already known. So the fact that, oh, you rebelled against the Amalekites, oh, you did this, you did this, you did this. So basically, here's what I'm saying. Saul turned to the world, the evil world, the evil spirits, to try and solve his problems. Now, who is the God of this world? It is Satan. And what Satan does, because Satan does not have access to the intelligence of God. 
if you turn to the world, right? So they said they are making people redundant. 50% of people are going to go. You did not even go and consult with God. The immediate thing that your panic teaches you to do is to go and start talking to everybody, to go and start talking and trying to leverage on relationships, quote unquote, that you have built with people. Now, the thing about it is, it says that the carnal mind or anything that is flesh of this world cannot access the mind of God. So Satan has no access into the intelligence of God. Stay with me. This is what I'm saying. So what Satan will do when we turn to other means apart from God in trying to solve a situation is he will gather, he will scan the earth, gather as much information about that situation so that you can trust in it enough. And then now see, this is where that evil spirit now basically just destroyed Saul's life. Look at what he concluded with. He said, you and your sons are going to die in this thing. So he gathered, he scanned enough, took Saul's words himself, then scanned and like, okay, so what do we already know that is already open and revealed, that is not hidden? Which was the thing about the Amalekites, the fact that God has already given the kingdom to David. I mean, it was common knowledge. Everybody knew that. But he presented that information to make Saul to be nodding. Yes, yes, that's true. Ah, that's true. Oh, this is genuine. This is genuine. And now finished it up with something that would hook him and take him deeper into that fear. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Satan leveraged the information that was already available, but now capped it off by putting Saul in a gigantic fearful spin. You understand what I'm saying? So that is what these kind of things will lead to not actively knowing how to take a moment of crisis or being overwhelmed to God. So someone feels overwhelmed and they decide that, oh, okay, I'm just going to get some relief by doing whatever it is. For some, it might be alcohol. For some, it might be whatever the temporary relief. Let's say someone that turns to alcohol said, oh, it's just one glass. I feel better already. I feel better. Can you see what I'm saying? So there's something that immediately gives you that assurance that you're on the right track. That is how Satan operates. He will give you something to assure you that don't worry, you're on the right track. The same way that spirit gave Saul all that information for Saul to become comfortable and say, oh yes, this is really Samuel. Samuel knows exactly what he's talking about. Meanwhile, the only reason why Satan is doing that is to pull and reel that person further into that fear and into a black hole. So the person keeps turning to alcohol. One drink turns to five drinks. Five drinks turns to the point where the person is so addicted by alcohol that it completely destroys their life. Do you see what I'm saying? This is the danger of not cultivating an active relationship with God because quite simply when trouble hits, when challenges come, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel like you're being pulled in different directions and you even try, at least Saul attempted and tried to reach out to God. You try to do that. The thing is you have not built that bridge. And if you don't really hear anything meaningful, you will automatically turn to the ways of the world. You would turn to the way the other people in the office are trying to save their jobs, doing whatever it takes, even if it's lying or cheating or trying to throw people under the bus, because that is what seems to be working and you will automatically default to that.
So that's what Saul did. And I'll actually give you an example of something that happened. Well, I was preparing for this podcast. Literally, I was sitting down with my daughter and we were having a conversation. We're just talking and we, so we finished the conversation and the next minute somebody sent me a link on YouTube. I clicked on the link to go and watch the video literally a minute later after my daughter and I finished this conversation. And as soon as I clicked on the YouTube link, an ad pops up and I kid you not, exactly the words that we had used in that conversation popped up on YouTube in an ad. And we just looked at each other like, <laughs> Siri, you understand what I'm saying? Siri is listening. All these people are listening. The phone is listening. I'm sure it's happened to you too. You browse somewhere and you go to another page, maybe Facebook, and you see an exact ad. You are being followed around. This is how familiar spirits operate. This is how Satan operates. The reason why he's doing that is he wants to reel you in. And unfortunately, people are taking those kind of things as, oh, maybe God is speaking to me. Now, imagine if I was looking for direction from the external based on the conversation that I had with my daughter. And then I opened my phone and then automatically an ad pops up that was saying exactly the same thing I just talked about. If I was a canal person, if I always look to the external to validate what I should do or to instruct or direct me, what do you think I would have thought? I would have thought, wow, oh, this is just, this, there are no coincidences. How can this same ad have just popped up? Not knowing that it is just a system that has been built to glean information from people and then present it back to them. It's as simple as that. So you have to have a mechanism whereby you can reach out to God and extract his wisdom directly from him and not just rely on things that are external because the external world literally is controlled by Satan. He's the God of this world. He can manipulate anything in this external world to present you with whatever he wants. He can make black look white. He can make white look black. So you can't rely on that. And as I keep saying, which is the point of this episode, if you don't cultivate that habit of hearing from God and being able to glean his wisdom at times of pressure, you will automatically default to the external world and Satan is waiting for you. He will come and show you stuff and you will think, oh, it's true. This is how I should do it. And you go and do it that way. And look at what happened to Saul. What was the result of him defaulting to go to the medium? It says, Saul fell full length on the ground, paralyzed with fright because of Samuel's words or because of the spirit's words. So, He went there afraid, but by the time Satan had finished with him, he was paralyzed with fear. The Bible says that he just yakata fell on the floor like that, like, ah, it is finished, I'm dead. And don't forget that after reeling him in with that information, Satan now added his own too and said, today, surely, Saul, you and your son shall die. And once Saul received that information, I was like, ah, this is it. It's true. This, this is how Satan plants all sorts of evil seeds in our hearts. They're familiar spirits. I'm telling you, this is how it happens. He becomes familiar. And then once you have opened up your guard, he then plants something to destroy. Let me very quickly share with you this story that I read in David Yongicho's book. 
He starts off his book and talks about how at 19, he was dying of tuberculosis. Literally, his doctor told him he had like a month left to live. And a Christian sister came, preached the gospel to him. He became a Christian and started reading the Bible, got completely healed. But then he now started talking about, as in later, later, later in the book, about how the entry points for that thing. Listen to what I'm saying. He said he was in secondary school. Maybe it was like age 12 or 13 and it was in a science class and the teacher was teaching about tuberculosis so he brought out a model of the human body and he showed them the diseased lung so a lung that has tuberculosis and essentially what then now happened he now began to describe in graphic detail what happens when someone contracts tuberculosis he talked about how i'm not going to do any of that but in graphic detail and yongi cho said as he sat there listening to all those details that he could imagine it vividly in his mind now to a 13 or 12 year old that does not understand spiritual things he dismissed it he said he was so afraid he was like oh my god he became so afraid of tuberculosis and like six years later or less he was dying of exactly the same thing. Coincidence? I think not. So Satan scans and says, okay, this, how am I going to kill this person? How am I going to sow a seed that will kill this person? So he doesn't come and say, oh, Yongi Cho, I'm going to kill you with tuberculosis. No, he finds a familiar environment that will make the person drop their guard and listen. A science class. I mean, what's wrong with a science class? The teacher was doing his job now. You understand what I'm saying? So the external world, you cannot live your life by looking to the external to guide you or to be your source of comfort in the midst of challenges. It will not just not work. <laughs> That's number one. Number two, it is extremely dangerous. And that was what Saul did. And need I tell you exactly what that spirit said was what happened because the seed had been sown. And when the seed was sown, the fear came and where there is fear, it attracts the reality of that thing. And exactly Saul and his sons were killed in that same battle. Now I want you to quickly contrast that with David. All right. I'm going to very quickly talk through David because at the end, the second part of this podcast, I will walk you through my three-step process of how to do what I'm asking you to do. So I don't come as a teacher and then say, oh, you should be doing this and then walk away. I mean, what's the point of that? (laughs) That is how I live my life. Don't come and tell me I should be doing something. Tell me how so that I can do the thing you're saying I should be doing. So let's contrast that with David. David around the same time, encountered his own challenge. In fact, it wasn't just a challenge. It was something that threatened to destroy his life. So the Amalekites came, raided his entire village and took everything and everyone away. The Bible says from 1 Samuel 30, David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters and they began to talk of stoning him. So not only did he have the pain of his own personal loss, his wives, his children, carted away all his belongings carted away and i think the village was even burned he had his own personal tragedies to deal with and then his men that he thought were loyal to him were now saying let's go and kill this guy we're going to stone him so double wahala (laughs) okay right now i want you to see the difference between these two people david prior to that time had cultivated a habit over many years of turning to God for help, of making God his first 
port of call. It was a habit. And what did he do? That was exactly how he responded to that situation. Now, remember that Saul too tried it. Yeah. But there was no structure to underpin what he was trying to do. So he too went to ask God, but no answer. David found strength. Says he encouraged himself in the Lord. He found strength. So he rebuilt his peace in the presence of God. And do we know how he did that? We only need to read Psalms to know. So he was singing and praising and worshiping God and giving that pain to him. So it was easy for him to do. In fact, I can imagine that this all happened within minutes. He didn't have to go on a 20 day fast to enter back into peace because it was a habit. Now, See the difference between Saul and David. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And immediately the Lord said to him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Can you see the difference? In the time of pressure, David did what he had always done, which was to turn to God. In the time of pressure, Saul tried to do what he had never done. He turned to God and he didn't yield any fruits because he did not have that connection. And as a result of that, because of the pressure, he compromised and he turned to the world for solutions, which means he basically turned to Satan because Satan is the God of this world. When David asked for help, he received help directly via God's voice, giving him clear instructions. Why? Because he was so adept at hearing God's voice. And I'm sure it probably only took him minutes. And do you know what else? Hearing God's voice and being able to know exactly what to do and receiving his thoughts and his ways, his mind concerning that situation. Number one, he received instruction and direction. So God gave him clarity regarding that situation. He knew exactly what to do. And also the voice of God gave him courage and gave him assurance to get up and go and do something about that situation. And of course, he took his men and they won. Let me read to you one scripture in Isaiah that sums this up perfectly. Isaiah 50. Just listen to this. It says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. So that is actually God's prescription for us as his children. He didn't say darkness will not come. He said, if you are walking in darkness, if darkness suddenly, a cloud of darkness suddenly comes to rest over you, what should you do? He says, trust in God, rely on him, go to him, cultivate the habit when the stakes are really low. Don't wait until you hear something that will rock your world before you begin to cultivate that habit of hearing from God, of going to God as your first spot of call. Honestly, it is too much of a risk to take. So that's a prescription. Now let me keep reading. So this is what David did all his life. He now says, but watch out you who live in your own light and warm yourselves by your own fires. This is the reward you will receive from me. You will soon fall down in great torment. Isn't that exactly what happened to Saul? He says, if darkness comes, so it's not the fact that you're experiencing darkness. Darkness will come anyway. You will hear things that will shake you. That's not the point. 
The point is, how will you respond? So this scripture tells us that those who live by their own light, by their own senses, they are very quick to turn to people to ask their opinion. They're very quick to turn to people for help. They never, ever ask God. They never even say, what does the Bible say about this thing? And even when they know what the Bible says, they're like, oh, this spirit, coconuts. Let me just, you know, no darling, you have to be smart in this world. That is how these kind of people respond. They have a habit of ignoring or dismissing the presence of God. And it says that what happens is if you live in your own light or warm yourself by your own fires. So literally it could be relying on your own understanding or seeking the understanding of the world, which is ruled by Satan. Yeah. It says what happens at the end of a great torment. Isn't that exactly what we saw happen to Saul? Literally the man was in great torment by the time that spirits finished with him. He was like, oh, was lying on the floor, paralyzed by fear. That's what the Bible says. So as I promised, I'm going to now walk you through how it's a very simple three-step process that will help you build or cultivate. So if you haven't, if you haven't built this at all and listen to me, don't wait another day, start now. But if you are sort of, yes, I'm doing it, but every now and then you say, yeah, let's go and do it the way the world does it. This will help you actually cultivate and become so rooted to the point that nothing can really shake you. It's something that you cultivate. It's a habit that you cultivate. It doesn't just jump on you. So that God actually becomes always your first responder. The first person that you turn to, no matter how small or big the problem is, or the confusion is, or whatever it is that life throws at you. Okay? Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary says, I know how to comfort the weary. So the whole point of this podcast, my question to you is, do you know how to comfort yourself when you're weary? Do you have a process? Do you have a routine? Do you have things that you do in order to calm your mind, in order to stay that anxiety, in order to rebuke that fear and calmly receive comfort and instruction from the Holy Spirit that will help you move forward and overcome that challenge. So that's a question. How do you stay centered, peaceful, productive, focused amidst life's pressures, distractions, and challenges? I want to share with you my three-step strategy. Number one, these are things that, you know, I said at the beginning of this podcast, over time, I have trained myself mainly because of life threw me some really big challenges early on. Okay. That's why they say challenges are good. You, you learn, you grow up fast. <laughs> so early on, I faced some really big, big, massive, gigantic challenges. So because of that, I've for many, many years, trained myself in this to the point that nothing can really rock my world. All right. And cause me to just abandon God and and go and start chasing things around. It just never even occurs to me. The first person I turn to in anything is God. Before I make any move, I ask God. If I'm not clear, I wait until I hear. That's how I live my life. But it's not because, oh, I'm allow me or I'm a pastor. No, it's practice over many years and it becomes easier The more you do it, start today, as I said, don't wait. So number one is have a go-to scripture 
that defines your life and will automatically give you comfort regardless of what the situation is. One scripture, not 50, not even two, one scripture. The same way John the Baptist, the Bible says, he's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. So he knew who he was. If when the people and the Pharisees and all the teachers of it came to challenge him, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So no matter what they did to him, John stand the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He forgot that word. That was why he actually ended up getting killed because he began to question Jesus. He forgot that he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepared the way of the Lord. Abraham was father of many nations. You can say from today to tomorrow that Sarah will not born. Nope, I don't care. God has told me father of many nations. Whether he's happy today, he's father of many nations. If he's sad tomorrow, he'll go back and he'll repeat that word to himself. I'm the father of many nations. You need a scripture like that. One scripture that you don't even need your Bible to find. You memorize it and you keep it with you at all times. And how do you find the scripture? Just look back over the course of your life. See how God has dealt with you. Is there a theme that keeps coming out in every situation that you've been in with God? It was what David did when he showed up in front of Goliath. It was like, God is with me. So because God is with me, I killed the lion and the bear. And because God is with me now, Goliath, I'm going to kill you. So there was one thing that he knew without a shadow of doubt. So you need that one scripture. Sit down, meditate. If you don't already have it, you don't need two. I don't even want you to have two. You only need one. One that will immediately speak. My husband has one. No matter what he faces, that scripture is the first thing that comes to his mind that he begins to declare to quieten any fear, to dispel fears, and to enter back into rest. I have one. Okay, if you've listened enough to this podcast, you may know what it is. It's a combination of for your shame, you will have double honor. And what that is basically saying is no matter what comes against me, I will always get double for my trouble. That is the scripture that defines my life. I have many, but there's one where I don't care. If somebody says, oh, you didn't pass this thing, it's double for my trouble. You need something like that. One scripture that you will always stand on, no matter what the situation is. Okay, let me move on. Still reading from Isaiah 50 from verse four. It says, morning by morning. So this is going on to step two now. Step one is go and find your one scripture that defines your life. For Paul's own, he said, I know this will turn to my salvation, whatever it is, okay? Even if it is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Meditate on that. I was speaking to one of my clients yesterday, and that was pretty much from everything. She said, I noticed that concerning her life, she had this strong conviction regarding the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That no matter what situation I find myself, I can never lack. God will always provide. You need something like that. Okay. Number two, the Bible says from Isaiah 50, morning by morning, he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me and I have listened. It says morning by morning, God awakens me. He's talking about you too. So God is never far. He's always there. Every morning as you open your eyes, God is speaking to you. He wakens you and opens your understanding to his will, meaning he's giving you direction. He's trying to tell you about your life. He's trying to tell you about the things that are coming and how to deal with them. He's trying to tell you about the wonderful joys that are coming into your life and how to prepare for them. All sorts of information that the Holy Spirit wants to bring to you. But he said, I have listened 
So God might be speaking. If you don't listen, well, nothing will happen. So what's step number two? Touch base with God daily. Be a David, not a Saul. Create time to not just hear, but to listen. There's a difference. To hear is, oh, you bring out and you have your Bible plan and read a chapter a day and then you read it. So you comprehended, you understood that, okay, Jesus went to the Sea of Galilee. But have you listened? What did the Holy Spirit tell you from what you read? So you heard, but you didn't listen. Do you understand the difference? This takes time. You cultivate the action of listening to the Holy Spirit. And one of the easiest ways to do it is by the word. Stop waiting for voices. Voice, oh, eh? Satan can speak any voice, can talk to you in your head. Don't wait for voices. Don't wait for anybody to come and preach to you. You by yourself. Even if it is, I'm going to read one chapter of the Bible over the entire week. I'm going to read two verses today. Read those two verses and then if you if you want to allocate 10 minutes, right? Spend one minute reading, which is the hearing, and spend nine minutes meditating and thinking of it, which is the listening. So you should devote a significantly higher proportion of time to listening than to hearing. That's how you do it. That is what exactly David did that made him boom very quickly. He had heard God had told him, do this, do this, do this, and it led to a tremendous victory. That will be actually what gives you the power, the courage, the boldness to face the world. And it should be daily. It must be daily. It says morning by morning. Now for you, it might be evening by evening. It's up to you. I prefer morning, but daily by daily. Let me say it that way. <laughs> you have to awaken. So you have to listen as God awakens your ears to hear. All right. Number three, step three. It goes on to say in Isaiah 50, I have not rebelled or turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. The third step to being a David, not a soul, is obedience. Obey quickly, quickly, no matter how ridiculous it seems. Now, Saul's constant disobedience to God's instruction was the start of his downfall. The guy just no one here. He just wanted to do things his own way. But David was quick to obey even when it didn't make sense. Even when he had opportunities to kill Saul that had made his life hell and was haunting him to kill him. He said, no, I can't do it because God says I shouldn't do it. He was quick to obey. Now, why should you obey God? Is it because if you don't obey God, God is going to strike you with lightning and thunder? No. Here's the reason. If you keep ignoring or dismissing the promptings of the Holy Spirit, your conscience will become seared. Do you know what that means? Your heart becomes hardened and it becomes extremely difficult for you to hear him when you need him most. Now, isn't that enough reason for you to be quick to obey? It is. So that's the third one. Be quick to obey. Number one, have one scripture that defines your life. That is your go-to. No matter what the situation is, no matter how small or how big, there's one scripture that you have memorized that you immediately begin to comfort yourself with. Right? It says you know how to comfort the weary. Number two, morning by morning, God is awakening your ears to hear him. Cultivate the habit of listening. Because Isaiah said, I have listened. And number three, obey promptly. Okay? And what's the result of that? If you live this way, basically what you have is there's an assurance 
there's an inexplicable confidence that follows you everywhere you go. People will look at you and say, oh, wow, you're just so confident. Nothing phases you. It's not you. It's God. Because you are rubbing minds with him daily. Let me finish up with Isaiah 50 to show you the result of living like this. He says, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint determined to do his will and i know that i would not be put to shame he who gives me justice is near can you see that this guy just opened chest and just went out like hey god is with me i cannot fail i cannot be ashamed etc that confidence does not come because you are talented it comes from being in the presence of god when you live like this you will remain centered peaceful and productive no matter what life throws at you, in the midst of pressures, in the midst of distractions, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of challenges, no matter what it is, you will stay centered and grounded and you will have your peace. To finish up, let me just tell you this. I've created a free journal, a PDF, and this is something that we will do quite regularly now on the podcast. So something that will guide you through a few questions, a few exercises to guide you through what I've talked about in the podcast today. So like a continuity kind of thing where you've listened. Okay, so how do I begin to put this into practice? If you would like to download that, then look at the show notes. There'll be a link there for you to download it. If you're a super abundant woman, then if you go into the Soul Library on that podcast, it will also be there for you to download. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Bye.